welcome to the Films on Trial podcast, episode 6, Revenge of the Sixth. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Gavin. I'm Dave. Alex. I'm Joel. And we are four lads from Liverpool who basically sit around and review films. I haven't actually thought of a funny name this week, so <laughs> we'll patch one in later on, shall we? Uh, but this week's film on trial is Suspiria by Dario Argento. Um, widely renowned as one of the greatest horror films of all time but is it? is it? we'll find out (laughs) so um, just before we get cracking with the uh, films on trial section um, I thought let's do a nice bit of uh, regular news update is that okay with everyone? sure okay so time for the news (laughs) (laughs) this is uh, you know the production values production values are going through the roof on this one Okay, so uh, Joel, what is your news topic of the week? So I found that The Accountant has been scheduled for a sequel, uh, which I thought was quite interesting because I was really quite pleasantly surprised, I think, by the original. I thought it was a really decent film. I just went into watching it like I didn't really know much about it. just enjoyed it, to be honest. I thought it was a decent film. You know, Ben Affleck, he's just redeems himself from the dead. All day is pretty much every <laughs> film these days, I would say. So yeah, I'm quite, I'm looking forward to it. I'm quite excited now. I'm a bit annoyed that it didn't tell me anything about accounting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it told me a lot about how to punch a man in the throat, but not so much about how to sum attacks out. I haven't seen it. What's the, is it just action? Uh, is there anything more to it? it, it there's no action. It's just he it goes on an accounting course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Does he pass his exams? <laughs> Basically, it's the film of Dave. Um, it, it taught me everything I know about my job. To be honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's about Ben Affleck, who's an assassin, but he's also an accountant, so... Uh, is, yeah. that, is that serious this time? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. okay. He's got some type of uh, mental disorder, hasn't he? Whatever it is. <laughs> some type of mental disorder. I think he's autistic. Autistic. This is sounding more and more like me every <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, autistic, um, and... He's, he's basically hired by a big corporation to... Uh, there's been like some dodgy accounts or something like that and he's always like um, hired by the mob to balance accounts ah okay yeah. but what he moonlights as an assassin exactly well. right, yeah, okay. so he's like a badass assassin yeah. as well balancing the accounts is a euphemism obviously it. <laughs> it's a badass account yeah. <laughs> so um Alex, what's your news topic of the week? Uh, my news topic of the week is um, Star Wars memorabilia has just gone on auction in California uh, an R2D2 droid, R2D2 droid was sold for $2.76 million. My God. Uh, but it actually surpassed other props, which you would have thought possibly had, would have done a bit better. So can anyone guess how much do they think the Luke Skywalker's lightsaber would have gone for? If I had all the money, I would definitely buy Luke Skywalker's <laughs> lightsaber. So. All the money. All the money in the world. But what go on. So it did get sold. Uh, what do you think for? It depends. Are we talking about the blue one or the green one? Uh, I don't <laughs> <laughs> do your research man <laughs> um, I'm going to say 1.5 mil ok interesting Gav 1.8 interesting uh, I'm going to say square million ok no uh, 450,000 well though I know I know. Oh, considering how, how ok and 
Darth Vader's helmet from the original film sold for $96,000 which is still an insanely large amount of money let's say for a bit for for a helmet but yeah, R2D2 uh, was sold for 2.76 uh, million. Partly, I just wanted to bring up this news story because I know we were talking recently when we did the Star Wars episode. I, I've been thinking a lot about it. Like, I know I got laughed at for not knowing that Kenny Baker was actually in the R2D2. <laughs> I thought he was just making like the bebop sounds off, which yes, is clearly insane. But when I was thinking back on it and I looked at some clips, it's insane that there's someone in R2D2. Why? It's totally unnecessary. It just, honestly, I can't look at a scene now. I'll just be killing myself laughing. Knowing that there's someone in R2-D2. Let's see, you've had a revelation that most, 11, <laughs> most 11-year-olds have already had. <laughs> but why? Why is he? He doesn't do anything. He's just, you could have a remote control. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll write thing. the George Lucas. We'll just ask him why. Yes. You know, did he think why it was funny? Need to be <laughs> Uh, I mean, you are literally discrediting all of Kenny Baker's uh, film history. Yes. Uh, it's just, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> if, if, if he's R2-D2. Yes, yes. I, I mean, did Kenny Baker come with the R2-D2 costume? Is that why it was so much money? That's <laughs> in it. Oh, oh poor taste. Oh. Poor taste. Oh, oh. oh I forgot. He's, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. That's really wow. bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite a dark joke. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly poor taste. Uh, right, moving on from that, Dave, what's your Stop it with the week. Uh, well, I'm going to keep it in poor taste after that. I think um, I was going to talk about Michael Nyquist, no. star of the original Millennium trilogy, the Swedish versions of the Girl and the Dragon Tattoo movies, who sadly passed away last week. Mm, uh, yeah, I just I just thought we could all just have a minute silence. <laughs> to be honest with, you. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> my my favourite bit he did was in John Wick when he was talking about him killing people with a pencil. Mm. I did like the way because that was meant to be a joke, right? No, when, I first, no, when I first watched it was that meant to be serious I don't think he knew the camera was rolling I think that was <laughs> no I, I like uh, I like Michael Nyquist uh, and I, I think he was carving a bit of a niche for no, himself in Hollywood he's like a foreign really baddie well, isn't he yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the sad bit you know he was taken too serious like what could he have achieved now that Hollywood had finally come knocking after mm-hmm. decades in film and it's like yeah, yeah it's a shame after it's decades shame. of just hiring uh, British or American actors and asking them to do terrible yeah, uh, yeah, like Russian accents they're actually yeah. looking uh, towards getting people have been fair their feelings from Europe then yeah. Britain um, yeah yeah it's a, it, it is a shame to be honest um, because the, there's, obviously there's a new book been written not by Steve Larson mm-hmm. but um, Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's Pauline now. Is it? Yeah, I read the first chapter and it was no, oh, really? because it's based on. It's meant to be written as Steve Larson, isn't it? But it's no, it's just not. Oh. You can't write someone else's book. It's no, just, yeah. it, it, I don't agree with it even more. Because no. Steve Larson's not around to give us permission. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. Like, no. And yeah, and his next of kin absolutely expressly did not give her permission. Well, well there so, you go. Yeah, boy, oh, really. Anyway, Gav, your, what's your news? Uh, my news is that uh, Julian Dennison, who is the child actor from Hunt for the Wilder People, has joined the cast of Deadpool 2. Okay. okay. Yeah. Did anybody see Hunt for the Wilder People? No. No? Mm-hmm. No. Right, well, <laughs> I should have probably picked a better news. <laughs> no, it was, it was, I, I thought it was really great. Um, it was uh, a, a comedy... Uh, starring uh, Sam Neill and Julian um, Dennison absolutely stole the film he was absolutely brilliant in it and Ryan Reynolds tweeted a picture earlier in the week of him giving um, Julian a piggyback dressed as Deadpool oh, nice. saying that oh, we've got a new addition in the cast and um, so I don't think any details have been uh, revealed about what his role in the film is but I think it's uh, it's exciting nonetheless that I, I'm, I imagine he's probably going to be 
the sort of uh, comedy sidekick character, um, similar to uh, the um, blind flatmate from oh, yeah, um, the, the first, first film. So, when's it? Is that being done? Produced? Where is it? What Wait. stage is it at now? Deadpool two. Well, <laughs> that was me having an idea. <laughs> um, so it's just begun filming. I think right. it was last week or two weeks ago. Um, so there's been a few teaser pics from the set. Um, there's Josh Brolin who's been cast as Cable. Um, so there was a lot of kind of speculation as who was going to fill that role. I think Mel Gibson, uh, Ron Perlman, and Dolph Lundgren were heavily tipped at one point. Um, I think even at the end of Deadpool one. Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool mentions a few casting possibilities but he did mention Keira Knightley though but you know he did say that she's got range which I don't agree with at all <laughs> but um, yeah so, so Josh Brown's been um, uh, tweeting quite a bit and so has Ryan Reynolds as well so I think they're expected to um, finish production by about August it's a bit it's, I think it's a hard thing to follow because it was so, such like a surprise hit Deadpool and like mm. so funny it's always a bit harder you know, the element of surprise has gone I, I think they can do it but it's yeah. just going to be a little bit like you're expecting something this time whereas before it was like that half half of the charm was like wait what's this mm. you know so well, uh, well the original director uh, left the project quite early on didn't they because apparently um, this was leaked so it might not be true but they wanted to take uh, the Deadpool franchise into a bigger sort of scale they wanted to kind of replicate the Marvel Universe and spend lots of money on it and make it a big summer blockbuster whereas Ryan Reynolds wanted to keep it a bit low scale you know um, not big budgets because he thought that a lot of that um, gave it a lot of charm and that's why the film was so successful and if you take that away and you start piling and copying the thousands exactly yeah yeah so I I, I think if that's the case then then I I agree with that because I did like the original film and I did think it was it did have that sort of like quirky charm to it where you could tell money had been spent on it but not like a great deal like the Avengers where everything's spent in the right bits as well like not over yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely okay well uh, I think that draws a close to the news thank you very much guys <laughs> the X's get better you know I don't understand why I don't play an actual song on it to be honest <laughs> so learn, learn one week between weeks so. yeah yeah just <laughs> out like a cat since um, you're a talented musician isn't it? so uh, moving on from that I was thinking that we could talk about the movie or trailer oh no the trailer or poster of the week that has uh, taken our fancy mm. now we were having a bit of a discussion about this beforehand um, has everybody seen the trailer for the new Jumanji film yes 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 <laughs> okay right and what does everyone think about that trailer I didn't like it why really yeah I, I don't know I th- I think it's just because uh, the original Jumanji is like so nostalgic now with like Robin Williams and um, you know it, it's just got it just looks as though it's got a totally different feel yeah I to be honest though that's that's exactly that's odd though because that's exactly what I quite liked about it I was like oh Jumanji 2 that's just ridiculous like I watched yeah. Jumanji recently loved it you know brilliant Sunday film but because it did seem like it had a bit of a different spin on it a little bit I don't know the trailer got me a bit I was a bit more into it by the end you know the idea of all of them being in different mm. you know bodies and stuff like that and yeah. you know the sort of comedy of Jack Black pay, playing a but do like the cast definitely <clears throat> yeah. yeah yeah stop me if I'm wrong it's a video game now right it's not a board game anymore it's now a video yeah. game yeah 
Is that because kids these days don't know what board games are? <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. I just don't know why they did that. Why they, I would have liked them to stuck with the original board game. You play board games as a video game now, Dave. Get with... <laughs> Get digital, Dave. I, I'm not on board with this at all. <laughs> board games should be played by candlelight with the family <laughs> while you hope you don't catch plague in the night. That's, that's <laughs> right. No, I, I, I do kind of like the updating of it because... I think if you would have kept it as a board game, if you would have kept it in the real world and had elements of Jumanji escaping from the board game, it would have been too similar to, to the, the original. original yeah. And as you said, people would have constantly been drawn comparisons to the Robin Williams film. And you don't really want that because, you know, you've, you've got a, a classic film with Robin Williams that it's insurmountable. You know, it's, um, it's uh, you know, it, it, nothing is, is going to beat that really, is it? So, And you love a rock, don't you? So, uh, Well, well, hey, that's debatable, but, you know, I used to love The Rock as a wrestler and hate him as an actor, and now it's flipped the other way around. <laughs> I think he's a brilliant actor, and then every time I see him in the wrestling ring, I'm like, wow, what are you doing? Is, this, is he still in the wrestling ring? Uh, he, oh, he comes back every now and again just to earn a lot of money and basically just Fair enough. get a lot of applause. <laughs> the last wrestling appearance he made, um, he was supposed to have like a five-minute cameo that turned into a 25-minute cameo <laughs> where he set his own name on fire with a flamethrower. Wow. Wow. So, you know, fair enough. Anyway, moving on from that topic um, brings us to our film on trial. And this mm. week's film on trial is Suspiria. Yes. Suspiria. Suspiria. There's a girl who's been on my mind all the time. <laughs> Suspiria. Um, but before we get started on the, um, the film on trial, I thought um, we might bring um, a bit of fun to the events and continue uh, a new regular uh, part of the show which everybody loves everybody maybe apart from Dave no. um, I, was, I was afraid this was going to become a regular thing <laughs> called Quiz Dave let's quiz Dave let's quiz Dave everyone oh. so um, Dario Argento is the director of this week's film on trial Suspiria and he is renowned for being one of the most glorious uh, directors of all time he loves a good death scene or accident. So what I wanted to do, Dave, <laughs> is I'm going to name six occurrences that have happened and I want you to tell me if they have occurred in Dario Argento films or if they have occurred on the hit BBC TV show Casualty. <laughs> so are we ready? <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a theme song that was, though. Oh, still is. Isn't that brilliant? Anyway, okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> Number one. A man is run over while spying on his neighbour. Is that Argento or Casualty? I'm going to say Casualty. Casualty? Yeah. Everybody else, what do you reckon? Casualty. <laughs> is this You're not even paying attention. Joel's out. Joel's out. Joel's out. Sorry, guys. Incorrect. It's Argento, and that oh. happens during the bed with the crystal plumage. Oh, dear. Um, okay, number two. A lady chokes on an English horn. An English horn. horn. An English horn. What, an actual horn? As in you blow the horn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we've established the new instrument. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to say casualty. Casualty? Yeah. Argento. What was the horn doing in a mouth? Joel's out again. Play it. Joel's out again. <laughs> Joel's out again. Right. Um, sorry, Dave. It was Argento oh, again. Oh. And it was, the film was Sleepless. 
I may have tweaked that a little bit. She was, um, she, she didn't choke on it, it was forced. <laughs> <laughs> A man is shot in the chest by a schizophrenic murderer. I'm sure that's happened in casualty and probably in our genitalia. Definitely in casualty at some point. Casualty? Yeah, I'm going to say casualty. It was casualty, yeah, yeah. It was Charlie, everybody's favourite senior nurse, was shot in the chest during the episode The Frontline. Oh, not Charlie. Charlie. Like that—that that is the answer to any casualty-based question. Charlie, you know, mm. <laughs> just Charlie. Charlie. Uh, okay, number four: a man is pushed in front of a moving train. Not Charlie again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Argento. 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 Joel, mm. you're out of this. You're rubbish. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is Argento, and the film was Cat O Nine Tails. Yeah, I'm thinking if that, if that happens to you, casualty isn't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, a teacher is attacked, and their face burned by her pupils. Casualty or Argento? I want to say Argento, but you know, kids these days, it could be casualty. <laughs> Based on my experience, casualty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is casualty, yeah, yeah. The episode is, it has been voted the all-time favourite casualty episode by casualty fans. Wow. It was Burnout, right? And number six, and the last one of the Quiz Dave round, yeah. a man is savagely attacked by his own dog. That is Argento, that's the film we're doing tonight. That is Argento. Uh, trick question, it's both. both. <laughs> <laughs> so it obviously happens in Suspiria, which we're going to talk about shortly. Uh, but also I typed it into the Casualty Wiki page, and you'd be surprised how many incidents... <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I mean, I, I typed it in, and uh, automatically there was seven occurrences within just one season. Wow. Uh, so yeah, um, the episode in, in question was Accidents Happen. Which I think is is probably a good uh, synopsis for Casualty, a brief... And Suspiria. And Suspiria, that leads us nicely into into the film. Okay, guys. So, this week's judge is going to be Joel. Yep, so I presume you two have both got your arguments ready. Indeed. What what points are we going to talk about? Well, I am prosecuting this week, so I'll be taking apart this film piece by piece. Right, okay, I am defence, so I'm going to be shitting on all of Brucey's arguments. <laughs> and I'm going to prevent Gav doing as much shitting as humanly possible. <laughs> I'm, just going to be, I'm going to be neutral. I, if I agree with one of them, I won't be afraid to say, but if I disagree, I can also just be true to myself this week. I think <laughs> this is a pretty good one for me to judge, I think, because uh, I am literally somewhere in the middle. I could be swayed either way. Um, so we will start with Gavin. Ooh, right, okay. Right, so the first thing that I want to bring up is the direction slash... Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Slash <laughs> cinematography. Oh, go on. Okay. You happy with that? I mean, you sound quite confident there, Very, right? very happy. Yeah. Right, okay, good, good. Good. I'm happy too. Good. <laughs> I'm glad we're both happy. I'm happy for both of you guys. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Just like a courtroom, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously, it's an Argento film. And um, whatever Alex is going to say, you've got to keep that in mind, okay? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with the basic fact that it is an Argento film. I'm not going to say. I don't know, this is you. It's not Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. It's not Steven Spielberg. You are watching a Dario Argento film, so to go into it thinking that you're going to get Spielberg. Good. Sorry. 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 <laughs> it's an Argento film, so it's okay to be shit. Is no, it? no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying that it's different. 
Uh, okay, yeah. Dario Argento yeah. films are very over the top. They're very gory. They're very vibrant, and that is what you're going to get from this film. The intended tone is set up perfectly by the visuals. You think like the, one of the first scenes, the first introduction we have to the girls' school. You have these giant, like vibrant corridors, really striking colours. And they express the mood of the scene absolutely perfectly. Whenever we see these like really, really vibrant red rooms, it symbolises that there's some ensuing danger. Uh, the lighting throughout the film is absolutely brilliant. There's like flashes of green and blue. There's an amazing um, chase scene in which one of the characters is chased by um, the attacker and they go through different rooms and each room is a different colour and w- within it it's kind of <laughs> it creates like this calming effect like it's you know going away from the red and, and while they kind of they, they escape a window and they're into like a war like sort of like a, a bluey sort of uh, natural room you think oh they're safe and that's when the danger happens it's just completely out of the blue and that's all created from the direction but it's not just the colours and the lights shadows are used just as effectively Um, so that scene that I was talking about the killer just is constantly hidden in the shadows and it it seems like natural so whenever they go to step forward they're covered by another shadow but it doesn't look like the camera's moving away it just looks like this person is masked with shadows even right at that very end of that scene the, uh, the girl falls into a big pit of barbed wire and the killer comes in for the final blow and they almost once again just come out of the shadows and the way that it's filmed it's really really superb um, but there is another scene where he uses the shadows just as effectively there's a scene in a square where the pianist is attacked by his dog which we mentioned earlier Brucey obviously is going to talk about that bit uh, but I think it's beautifully uh, filmed because before you've got like really really busy scenes of girls all running around the, the, the school and it's really really colourful and then when it comes to this scene in the square it's really tranquil really peaceful it's just black and white you've got white from the columns uh, and black from the night and the way it's filmed it just like kind of it just stands out because before you've got all this noise and then you've got, just got this kind of unnerving calmness and um, um, the only thing I would say was more impressive than the kind of the, the sounds that Argento manipulates from the film is the visuals of the attacks and I want to speak about them in that every single attack feels new feels different I mean every time you see a, a, a violent film so if you think about your most memorable violent films from, from history uh, especially around the time that this film was released you'd probably be surprised to discover <coughs> that most of it is like suggested violence for example you know like the shower scene in Psycho uh, you think that you see a knife going in but actually if you t- slow it down and watch it frame for frame it's just trickery you know it's your mind believing that you've seen it what was with, with Argento he's not that subtle he shows every single stab and slash and he shows them with that unnerving closeness which really really makes you feel something I mean the fact that the camera is so close to the, the body as a knife is going in, it, you really kind of feel it. It's it's it, you've got this like kind of unnerving feel, which the director greatly exploits. And uh, so he's making you feel something, whether it's from the visuals of the room, he's kind of building up tension, he's uh, making you feel relaxed, only to kind of lull you into a false sense of security to strike you with something, or if it's the way he's filming the attacks in which they're really up close and personal, it feels like he's almost invading your personal space. 
strong reply? Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> please. I've been desperate to reply to nearly every single point he's made. Um, like, uh, no, the, 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 this film is a really bad film, and it doesn't matter that it's done by Jerry Argento, it doesn't matter who it's directed by. A film's a film, and if it's a horror film and it's not scary, it's not a good film. So I watched this all the way through, and I was surprised because, you know, I'd seen on the box it said it was a, a legend, a classic of a genre, you know, really defining and stuff like that, but... It just wasn't scary for me at all. And uh, yeah, I think... Objection, objection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to allow myself to continue speaking here, if you don't mind. Uh, no, the, and the problem with the film is the director cannot stop getting in the way of it. Like, he's just directing... The he does direct, this is a Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it, Spielberg it's, not Dar- it's not Dario Argento, that's what I'm saying. Spielberg no. couldn't direct this because it's a film about a, a lady's school and we all know that Steven Spielberg doesn't make films as girls No, but Dario Argento cannot stop directing this film. He's, he's like a present in every single thing and it gets to the point when he just needs to let the, re- let the film breathe. And you're just constantly aware. It's like halfway between he's trying to make an art house and a gore splatter movie. Uh, the coloured lights are completely overused. I mean, the scene where she's running through, you're just like, right, she's in a blue room now, she's in a pink room now. It doesn't seem to really have any significance either. They're just constantly, these lights are just everywhere. They're just lighting up every single scene. And it's completely stylized, but without any purpose. So he uses these strange shots, some of them which are good, but some of which are just completely superfluous. So, for example, there's this, there's this shot when two characters are speaking and the shot zooms in past them and you see them then speaking in uh, a mirror. Uh, no, sorry, a, a piece of glass. But there's no point to it. It's like art. It's try, trying to be arty, but without any actual significance. That doesn't tell us anything about the characters being reflected. I mean, that has no point. There's huge shots where you have like this film. There's a scene in a in a square. It's just this very quick shot from right up on the skyscraper, right? That must have taken ages to plan and do, but which tells us nothing because we're not trying to. She's not trying to make us feel like she's, you know, isolated or anything like that. So there's too much direction going on, and it's these very strange shots with really no purpose and it's almost like he's trying to make up for other things like the, the poor dialogue and the poor acting which we'll come to later the one thing I want to say is Gav was talking about <coughs> the murders as well and like I mean I just thought they were funny like, and, and I thought it, maybe it's because of watching too much Garth Marenghi or watching those sort of things that of obviously parodying Dario Argento but the first murder it's just you know she's looking out the window then she looks away then she looks at the window then she looks away the next thing these big hairy arms just smash through the window <laughs> grab her and she's just screaming and then someone else is screaming You'd and then screaming she's screaming too, and then her face is pushed but when her face is pushed against the glass is anyone not laughing at that point when she's literally got her face pushed against it yeah, but, but then she gets pulled through the pulled glass through the glass yeah by the hairy arms who then I just thought of as the killer all the way through like where, where are the hairy arms going to you know strike next I see it's funny because I was watching it thinking where, when's Brucey going to appear next <laughs> that's, Brucey that's, that's personal and offensive <laughs> <laughs> and I object to it and I, uh, right and the thing I'll say is you know uh, like it's you know a classic genre defining or something like that 
he's not done anything in this film, Dario Argento, that Hitchcock didn't do much better. And like building tension, there is really no tension building in this film. So you just don't, you know, s- s- scenes will end with this music playing. We'll come to the music later, but like with the with the the, <laughs> the th- scenes will just end where it's just a shot out of a window and nothing happened, and then you just was it what? And then it goes on to something else, and it's whoa. the the scene that end that starts with the that guy getting killed in the square begins where there's been a scene and the music's building what's going to happen where are we going where are we going it goes out of a window then the scene ends and you're like oh okay well that, where, where do we go he's and then, and then he's in the, well, yeah, to, to exactly. a, the next part of the film is in a Bavarian bar with people in lederhosen jumping around hitting each other exactly he's building tension you, you're expecting you're constantly expecting something to happen and then it stops and then it doesn't you're like Oh, oh, I was expecting something there. It's you know your heart rate is, is sped up, you know, like, and and then you're kind of lulled into this false sense of security. Mm-hmm. You've got this empty square, and then out of nowhere, another attack happens or something more terrifying you can happens. Only, you, can only, you can only do that a few times. He he plays that same trick over and, and over. He might play it a couple of times, but he does he does do it to good effect. You know, like we're talking about the the last 19 minutes of the film, which is constantly just ramping up, and that's a big payoff. Mm. Okay, well, I'll interject before you two speak about this for two hours and, and pass it on to Dave for, for your thoughts on what you've heard. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm with Gav on this one. I think this is a really stylishly done film, to be honest with you. I thought it was really well shot. Alex says, you know, there's no point to the camera passing past the girls and looking out of the window. It's not about what's going on in the window. It's what about it's what could be going on outside. It's supposed to give you that element that someone could be looking through the window at them when the pianist is passing through the square and there's an elevated camera angle watching him go, it's what's watching him from above. No, no, like there are some... No, I mean, when there's a big shot of a glass coming up when it's being drank and when there's, or when the camera goes up into a light bulb and then comes out of a light bulb. And then, no, it's not in the actual house that it looks into the mirror. It's when she's talking to the professor towards the end of the film and they'll you know and they, the shot just goes into a window for ages but it's it? the potential of what could be going on outside it's making you think outside no, the I box I think so I think maybe it's down to interpretation maybe it's down to interpretation but I think it's a very stylishly done film the use of colour I thought was particularly good and I thought it, it puts a real stamp on the film you know what this is a very much an Argento film he's well known for his use of colour and this is the poster child of Argento movies and I think it really puts him on the map and makes this film uh, somewhat different from the average slasher okay so we've heard some pretty interesting arguments there I think (laughs) Uh, personally when I watched the film I was whoa 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 judge judge this is me trial this is me trial (laughs) you give your opinions at the end but don't be swaying either one of us Uh, but it will eat unless you were going to agree with me. <laughs> unless you were going to agree with me, actually, and then you can keep you can give this in. I was going to move it on. <laughs> <laughs> good save, good save. <laughs> okay, so this time we're going to start with Alex. Okay, um, this feels like there's so many points to do, but I am going to go. Is it with, that bad? Yeah, the, it's just honestly, I, I I could I couldn't believe to be honest that we were even dis, uh, discussing this. But um, I think I'm going to say with the plot. So um, the huge problem with the plot is, you know, it begins as uh, as we were saying with you know the death, as many of these films do, that sets up a mystery. Why is the girl killed? What's going on in this 
uh, flats where we're in this um, dance academy that she's being, being taken to sets itself up, itself up as a mystery but then nothing connects all the way through the story so there's nothing to actually keep you guessing there's no suspects for the death there's no suspects for what's happened or what's going on there's no motive for any for anything that's happened and there's no reason so at the end of the film when the reveal comes there's no payoff because there's no, been nothing that's actually sort of um you've not been been able to keep up with it because there's nothing actually mysterious because it's just shots of this shots of that people getting killed gore and then but nothing to actually keep you going um the plot really falls in the sense of who is anyone why is anyone there there's not much dancing going on in this dancing academy in the second half of the film you know which <laughs> i think it, everyone's yeah. too traumatized to dance when there's, <laughs> well, there's well, a well, series of murders happening uh, also like just people throughout the film all of the dialogue is just people telling the main character shit and just like you know really like in-depth backstories i mean the, the setup of characters not to go too much into that yet but like it's just really poor so she comes in and she goes, oh, hello, would you meet our waiter? He's lost his uh, teeth. He smashed all his teeth out. Here's an interesting backstory about him. And she goes, oh, right, okay. Then she goes, oh, and meet my pianist. He's, he's lost his eyes, by the way. Like, just, just literally going through a character synopsis of every single person. Hey, this is our teacher. She's quite strict. But, you know, uh, it's just going literally through everyone. Uh, and they're not even really brought back and just all the way through it people just come up to it and tell her oh yeah no back in the day yeah there was uh, by witches and stuff like that so uh, you know the, 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 the plot's just sort of not there and it doesn't seem very important but then it's hard you know to set yourself up as a mystery and then not keep you going and also the ending's appalling like the ending's really really bad and it has this sort of Indiana Jones cop out you know which works in Indiana Jones you know but of just like oh, okay so it's ended um, they don't blow the building up yeah so yeah, so they just run out for no real reason the building just explodes around her which you know and then she just wanders off has a little chuckle and then the credits roll I felt absolutely like you know I was I was, I was so angry <laughs> but yeah so uh, so no I, I'd like I'd like to hear Gav's Gav's thoughts on the plot and. What's the one? Gav? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, trust the cynic amongst us all to kind of make all this. again, I mean, seriously. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got to look at this as a film, right? And you're trying to. <laughs> I am, I am, look at it. It is a film, and it's directed by Terry Orgento. I, I agree with both of those points. <laughs> Sometimes I question that. I question that. I mean, the, the fact is, is that I think that this has got the perfect structure to a film. You've got your beginning, you've got your middle, and you've got your ending. And I know that sounds quite obvious, but sometimes it's not always as simple as that. And with this film, you have an inciting incident, a point that drives the film forward. Right at the beginning, you have this gruesome murder that happens like quick, quick, like it's, it's almost like she gets killed twice. It's like a double murder in a way. Uh, that is, it's just kind of like out of the blue. As you were saying, I mean, you mentioned before about the whole glass thing and looking out. I mean, it's, it's just like scene after scene of like violence. And as you're trying to escape it, you know, it keeps on uh, catching up with them. Um, so once that bit happens, 
you've got the plot itself. You know, it's a it's a, a dance school, and an American um, student is joining the dance school. Like that, is, that, that that's your plot. You were saying what? about well, yeah, but how does it advance? That's the big. That's the premise. Right. So the, What's the, the plot. <laughs> the plot. <laughs> that, that there's been a murder at this dance school, and I think that. No, no, that's the prep. That's the beginning of the film. What, what? How does it carry on? Like, where does it go after the murder? How do they figure I'm, out the murders? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Okay. That Argento lets you like figure this out for yourself. So, <laughs> like, honestly, like you're laughing, you're laughing. But the thing is, is that he isn't as black and white. He doesn't say like this is this is kind of age of red herring. Here's three characters. Which one of them is the murderer? He is letting you do the detecting yourself. No, he sounds, like, sounds like he's letting me do the storytelling. No, myself. no, he's got the story there. It's just you're too lazy <laughs> <laughs> to do it myself. <laughs> well, I like red herrings. Stupid. What's wrong with red herrings? Oh, the thing is, is that there's always two or three people, and it's always you know not the most obvious one. Yeah, Suspects, but there's no suspects whatsoever. There are suspects. You get introduced to every single person yeah, yeah, within no, the academy, which was what well, you within, just said. Within four minutes, in oh, a very exactly, detailed way. Yeah. Exactly. And then you know you have you have a lot of character building. You say that you know it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about characters later on, yeah. but a big part of this plot is the characters. It's about getting to know the, the girls within this academy. It's getting to know about the academy itself. Uh, you know, you've got the major turning points. Uh, in this is like the sort of second act of it all, which is the introduction of Udo Kier, uh, where you find out more backstory about the uh, the school itself, and that it used to be, um, you know, it was it was run by a lady who was uh, thought to be a witch. See, that's not in the second act; that's in the last twenty minutes of the film, and I felt like that was put shoehorned in because they were suddenly like, oh, we haven't really done enough about witches, and so they had to put that very What's boring this, scene in. <laughs> very boring. I mean, I mean it's, 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 it's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a dull scene, that, though, isn't it? But I mean, the thing is, is, is that he leaves us in this state of confusion where we're thinking, well, is it a murderer? Is it supernatural? Is it is it a witch? Is it a demon? I mean, what is, what is it? What is happening? Uh, and the whole time, you're kind of caught up with this central character you're lost in confusion with that character yeah, but you're t- feeling yeah, but, everything but total confusion whereas, no, whereas, whereas is, a good mystery needs to give you hooks to grab onto <clears throat> to keep the mystery interesting it doesn't give you any of that it just leaves you sliding I, I don't know as Dave was saying before it's a very arty feel to the film and I think Argento instead of creating your basic sort of story has instead created a ride uh, no. you are going along with this main character you're trying to figure out things with her and I think that is very original and, and you know you're saying oh it's, it's terrible because it's, it's never been done or it's not done in cinema what's the thing he was he was a pioneer he was trying something new okay but that doesn't make it good like, <laughs> pioneers often make mistakes and like yeah fair enough but it doesn't make it a good hit film and at, at, at this point I'm, I'm going to again pass it to <laughs> it's just an endless loop of <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you I'm not going to bring much to the table as far as plot goes with it being what is essentially when you boil it down a horror slasher film it doesn't need much of a plot it just needs a concept which it does have the ins and outs you don't need anything too complicated the ins and outs of it all don't really need to be there so I think it gets away with it in terms of plot but I've got to agree with Alex in terms of script the mm. dialogue for this film mm. is poor mm. the script I think was very poorly written although I don't have a problem with the plot and the direction it took the script was bad and you can argue that some of that could have been lost in translation because the actors were all speaking different dialects throughout the film like the American the American yeah. cast was speaking in uh, in English 
and yeah. the Italian actors be speaking in Italian and everyone was getting dubbed and they were re-recording the book you can argue some of it got lost in translation but overall I'd say poor script do you know what made sense when I did a bit of research about it uh, Dario Argento originally meant for all of the girls to be under 12 in the film like all of the girls it was meant to be a dance academy for under 12 yeah, so you couldn't, you but couldn't obviously they were like no like you know you've got some ridiculously weird scenes in here Dario this is going to get banned <laughs> But he didn't change the characters, so that's why the script is appalling, because you've got these grown women talking to each other like they're little teen, like teenagers, you know? Mm. So How yeah. old are these grown women? I don't know, they look about 20. So, well, see, that's the thing, it's, it's like watching any sort of film, like when you watch Dawson's Creek, and Dawson's like a 45-year-old man. I mean, but, but they are actually scripted as 12-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, right. They might be straight, but that that isn't a part. But, of the, I know, but this is not twelve. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah, but like they are twelve-year-olds, and but they're pretend, but they're not. You know, they're they're these adult women. So I mean, you know, the fact that they're so naive is a little bit unbelievable, isn't it? Throughout the film, you know? I, I don't know to be honest, Alex. Uh, I'd like to see how you would fare in a very similar situation. <laughs> I would leave very early on. <laughs> so moving on. Gav, do you want to present your next argument? Yeah, I would like to talk about the music. Super. <laughs> so I, I, I will. I like to preempt uh, whatever Alexis is going to say and say um, it's wrong because <laughs> <laughs> the music in this film is fantastic. Uh, so Argento experimented by um, using a, a new band uh, called Goblin. Um, who created this really psychedelic, intense soundtrack for the film, and Argento uses it to the max. He constantly uses it to create or produce an effect within the viewer, and honestly, I I, I know that Alex is going to say otherwise, but I dare anybody to watch this film and tell me that the music didn't make them feel tense at least one point during the film. There is that constant feel that something is going to happen. Um, I mean, the tension is ramped up constantly throughout by the music, which builds and builds. And towards the end, the, the you know the tagline to this film is is something like, um, uh, if, "If you know the the last nineteen minutes of this are the most terrifying um, you'll ever experience in cinema, or something." And those last minute, those last few minutes are just this constant crescendo that just builds and builds and just layer upon layer is added to it to enhance the effect even more so and the only time when there seems to be any sort of form of silence is right at the very end when the credits roll and it's, it's almost, it just cuts off it just stops completely and it's quite jarring actually and you, you, you're left like you've, you've really been affected by it because you, you've just heard nothing but music and just like really really intense music at that throughout the film it's got, it got you on edge pretty much so when you do hear silence at any point you, you're kind of you're taken aback a bit because you're like oh my words you know your heart's racing you didn't you didn't realise you were feeling tense over as Alex was saying something just like a shot out of a window because you've constantly put on edge by the music as if something might happen even if it is in you know a bar with a load of people in Lederhosen or an airport you think anything could be possible in this film and it's not just the music that Argento um, really kind of uses to create effect. Um, he uses the sound as well. Um, so every single um, stab or every single slash or slap, each one of those sounds is completely original and it sounds even more brutal than the previous one. That beginning scene that I was talking about before with that murder that was a murder 
it's every single time the knife goes in it sounds differently it creates a different effect it's unnerving so it's not just the visual of it that's making you feel uneasy it's the sound as well it's almost like I'd, I'd love to see the array of different fruits and vegetables that he must have been just slapping <laughs> against the desk <laughs> to create those sounds but it's it's a, a fantastic experiment using music and sound to manipulate manipulate our senses Okay, um, it's none of those things. <laughs> it, it, uh, you know, Gav said, uh, you know, it'd defy anyone to say it didn't make them feel tense once. And I would agree, you know, it made me feel tense once. That's the oh, like, just oh, once. Hey. Because the music is incredibly repetitive and annoying. It's, it's the same song. So if it was different music, you know, I think Gav's points could have come through. But it's the same piece of music that is... Pla- oh, the, Actually, you go back and listen to it. Judge. It's, it's layered. It's, so it's different you know, motifs it's, on top um, of each other. Uh, it, it's pretty much the same melody playing again and again and again. Uh, like, yeah, the music does stop and it's the thing, it's relief when the music stops because it builds and builds and builds and like I was saying before and then it'll stop and you're like, oh. And it'll build and build and build and it gets to the point where it's more just like signposting that something might happen. And so it's not really building tension, it's more like, oh, it, it, something might happen. Oh, and it didn't. But, you know, something, oh, no, something did happen then. You know, so it, it's more, um, the music, I find, is good at first, but by the end of the film, you're just like, oh, not this song again, please. <laughs> um, like, the sound, I thought, was, like, particularly bad in this film, just because it was done post-production. So it's all sounds a little bit like when a door opens and closes it really sounds like a sound effect that's being done in a studio afterwards so I actually found the sound in it particularly bad um, and the dubbing is just insane it's like it's like from the word go it's, it is really like a parody of a, of, of, of a film that you would you, know, you just can't believe it's actually happening I don't understand why they dub foreign characters speaking in a foreign accent I don't see why they couldn't you know have had them just say the, say the lines in their accents possibly and uh, I don't really understand why um, English uh, foreign characters speak in English when there's no one else around. I don't know why they don't do a bit of subtitles in the film as well. Because uh, it's American audiences. Uh, well, that's, that's, you know, well, Dario should have been strong on that one. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so I, I, I thought the dubbing was really bad. And um, yeah, the music was, was good. I wouldn't say that it wasn't good at one point, but it overused. Okay, Dave, I'm going to throw it over to you here. What's your opinion on the music? I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I agree with Gavin on some of it. I agree with Alex on some of it. The dubbing is atrocious. Mm. It really is badly done. The thing is, it's not a case of letting the actors say the lines there and then on set. No one could do that. I was reading a bit about this film, and everybody had to re-record their dialogue. This was apparently the practice on the continent in like the 1970s and the 1980s, especially in Italy. Everyone would say the lines on set and then they would have to go re-record it in a studio afterwards. And it is quite annoying. Jarring, it's it's yeah. been poorly done, as it has been in a number of films. And then, of course, there was some dubbing as well because some of the actors were speaking English, some of the actors were speaking Italian. Those who were speaking English for the English release just had to re-record their lines in English the other Italian actors were dubbed over and vice versa for the Italian release. So everyone's re-recording dialogue, people are being dubbed and it is it, it, it is quite jarring in the end to be honest with you. The sound, for the same reason, because the sound was taken out of context, it was recorded away in a studio somewhere, I, it, it passed me by that one. I didn't really pick up on anything noticeable mm. in the sound but I've got to say as far as the soundtrack goes, Gav's onto something with this one. 
the soundtrack for this film is brilliant. It's not a soundtrack you're going to sit at home and put on and listen to. It's not pleasant music. In fact, it's very unpleasant. It's very jarring. It's very intrusive. And it builds up real tension. It's like when, when the music does get cut off suddenly, you breathe a sigh of relief just because that awful racket in your ears has suddenly been shut off. You're yeah. feeling something. Yeah, agreed. You're feeling something, <laughs> you're feeling something that the characters could have been feeling. They had their own tension going on, whereas yours is going on with the music and what have you. But I think it's so jarring. It's so unnerving just because of how loud it gets and how there's not really much of a melody to some pieces. And I feel because of that, though, it works. And even though it's not a pleasant soundtrack, it's a very good soundtrack. Can I always just say, to, to bring it back after the little uh, spit trites. <laughs> <laughs> so, final point. Uh, we're going to start off with you, Alex. Okay. Uh, I just want to sort of talk just, you know, fairly quickly about the acting. I don't have much to say. My first point just says... Uh, just bad. Um, the, the, <laughs> that's what that's what I wrote down as I was I was, I was trying to think of what to say about the acting. Uh, no one's really menacing at any point in this horror film. Uh, it, like the the female characters, you know, just go between being confused, worried, and screaming. There's no real power to any of them, to be honest. Any of the female characters, apart from right at the very end, but even then. Um, like the, I think part of the problem for the actors, I don't totally blame them. I do, I do some of them because they are just poor. But um, I, I think the shots, you know, the over-direction that's gone on in the film, the long shots, the, 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 the time that's spent setting up a shot, I think, the time that's spent on wallpaper. God, he loves his wallpaper. Like, there's hundreds of different types of wallpaper in this film that are really stylish and stylized and tea sets and there's little bits that are all pot around he's obviously he's, yeah yeah no I'm coming to it and there's all these little bits that he's obviously been going I want this and what this and he's not thought alright oh, a minute how do I make this dialogue between these two characters seem convincing You're back on the dialogue again yeah yeah uh, because that's what the actors are saying so I don't blame it all on the actors I just don't think they were directed very well and I don't feel like their, the direction again. Their, their acting wasn't a focus of the film um, like s- there's long shots and I feel like the actors are scrambling to, to, to make to do their best with with things when they probably are thinking when's he going to say cut when is this going to be over and they're just sort of blah 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 going and starting to go a little bit manic at times like one my, my, my bit which come on we need to just agree on this bit right is the bat bit right it's the bit where she's in the toilet right she goes she's going out she looks around and there's these two little blowing things looking out the window so she obviously the music is building again she opens the window and in comes just what looks like a furry thing on a piece of string right and just goes around her for about 40 seconds she's just screaming while this teddy bear bat goes in her in her hair but you can't blame her because what is she meant to do why is she being asked to fight a teddy bear bat on her you know for so long it falls on the floor and she's she's got to act like she's scared of this little thing like scrabbling towards her until she throws a towel on it and bashes it to death with a stool, you know. But it's just like, there's so much time, you can't blame her. I blame Dario Argento completely. Like, the acting just is poor. Again, coming back to the voice and the dubbing and the, and the sound and stuff like that, you know, and the script is, is, is atrocious. Gav? Okay, so um, I can see that Brucey's last point there was as riddled with plot holes <laughs> as he is claiming that this script is. I mean, you couldn't keep on track there with the cast, man. It was the cast, the direction, the dubbing. It was... I'll try and keep more on track than Alex did. Um, so the... <laughs> Stick to the film, man. So Alex's main point, argument there is that the, the cast or the actors were rubbish because they were Italian which is pretty <laughs> 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 to be fair I didn't hear that 
at all. <laughs> honestly, gap, 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 gap. had to be dubbed. Let's go on point to the film. Let's let's come back to the film. Yeah, have, right. have you been reading some Johnny Cochran stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you, you, you're, you're watching a dog and you're annoyed at the dog because it can't meow. You know, it's, that's what I'm no, I'm, no, I'm annoyed at a horror film that can't make me frightened. Well, oh, so, so that's the thing. I mean, you said that none of the cast are menacing, but does a horror film have to have a menacing person in it? Does they have to have a menacing character, or is, or is you know, is life frightening enough? If that's it, that's if, the thing. If it tries to have a menacing character, then yes, it should achieve its goal. Towards the end, it does have a menacing character, but right at the very beginning, it's just a normal school. Something's happened, and that's why it's a bit, a bit jarring well, about even, place. even the butler with no teeth. <laughs> even the no, te- <laughs> he's even the no to- teeth. He's, he's not meant to be a menacing character. <laughs> You're saying that all people with no teeth. Are <laughs> <laughs> so, all, all I want to say is, 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 is that uh, you, when you introduce to the cast, you've got to ask yourself. Um, do you know their goals do they develop as characters is their character journey a satisfying one to watch and I think it is you are introduced to the, to the main like protagonist at the beginning of the film this meek sort of American who arrives in in um, is it oh no it's Germany isn't it she mm-hmm. arrives in Germany to start uh, at the school and she can't even like, get caught up in the rain because she's so, so uh, everything that walks past her a woman in a red dress you know like a man with a briefcase she's on edge the entire time when she started the school she's really kind of like really timid really shy you know there's all these things going on around her and she can't like kind of bring herself to face it she, she doesn't ask the questions right at the beginning because she doesn't want to know the answers and as the film progresses she develops more as a character then she does a bit of digging around she finds out more about the school and when she originally uh, when she eventually finds out that it's actually a, 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 co- a coven uh, then you know she takes she springs into action throughout the film she's she's progressively been getting more kind of um, uh, more what am I trying to say here she's, she's, she's got a lot more character as the film is, is progressing and when it comes to the very end she's, she's, she's full of power and strength you know, when she takes on the big baddie right at the very end, as you said, she confidently walks out into the rain and she's laughing to herself because she's she's achieved what nobody else could do. She's, you know, taken on the witches and won. And to me, that is a very satisfying character journey. And it also, that, that thing that we've constantly been uh, asking ourselves about throughout the entire podcast is the uh, Bechdel test of whether a film is considered sexist or not. <laughs> And the thing is, is that it's not. It's it's about it's, it's about a school. You don't think it's a bit of a sexist film? No, I, I think there's sexist elements to it. But as the characters themselves, the, you know, it's, it's not sexist within the characters. But I I think that um, it's you know it, it it is like an over elaborate sort of gore fest, and there is a lot of suspension of the disbelief, and there are a lot of dubbing problems. But you know, you go back and watch a, a 1970s Italian film, and you try and pick one out that doesn't have those dubbing issues. It wasn't Argento's fault. It wasn't, you know, like uh, 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 anybody else's fault, any other Italian directors. It was just that was what they had to do at the time. If they wanted to market it anywhere else outside of Italy, they had to get somebody into dub it. And that's, you, you know, when you do that, you do lose a lot of the original energy and the charm and the emotion. That's understandable, but you've got to look past that and look at the actual characters themselves. Are they good actors? Right. Okay. Right. So you're telling me that when you're watching a foreign language film, um, are you able to pinpoint out and um, just kind of a, a, an extra when an extra comes onto the screen? Are you able to say if they're a good actor or not? Yes. Are you, uh, right. Okay. Again. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll pass finally back over to you, Dave. 
Uh, okay, on this one, again, I'm kind of in the middle. Some of the acting is all right. There's a few people that delivered uh, decent performances. Udo Kier, I think, being one of them, there's a reason why he went on to have quite a successful career. Some of the other performances are pretty poor, to be honest with you. It, it doesn't take a genius to work out why some of these people did not <laughs> go on to have successful careers. <laughs> but I think everyone is kind of distracted by the re-recording of dialogue be it dubbing or be it people just re-recording their own lines in their own dialect it is really distracting and it's not been well done Gab's right that's not Dario Argento's fault this was going on throughout Italy and throughout the continent in the 1970s but it does really distract from the film so overall I don't think it's the actor's fault but Mm. even those that may have had the potential to deliver a decent performance had it not back a bit by the horrendous re-recording of dialogue (laughs) okay so I'm going to give you each one final statement to say and I mean one (laughs) has anyone got anything else that they want to add do you want to round up your argument sum it up basically Okay, uh, I'll just say that this film is trying to be an art house horror film and it doesn't achieve it either. It being an art house film, it has to have some meaning behind it. it other than that, it's just odd shots and weird dialogue and a poor plot. Uh, it, I didn't find it scary, so it sort of failed for me on all fronts. Mm, okay, well, I would argue that point quite considerably. I would say it is a cinematic tour de force <laughs> and visually stunning. I think Argento so did... So did you read the back of the DVD? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Dave Mirror said, I, isn't it? my own words. All I'm saying is Argento does something new, he does something original, and there's a reason that this is celebrated to this day. There's a reason that it is a cool classic because it was new, it was original, it was, you know, we'd never seen anything as vibrant and as gory as that before. And, you know, he tried something new and I think he achieved it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sat here today still talking about it now. Well, you, you chose the film. <laughs> you made us watch it <laughs> okay so everyone's satisfied you've said all you want to say okay um, okay on, so <laughs> come on Joel you've so... watched the film come on Joel <laughs> hey <laughs> order <laughs> um, so, so I mean my, my uh, well my first thoughts are I don't really want to judge a, a film that's protagonized and uh, you know for with you two ever again because this, <laughs> <laughs> this was a real uh, call I'd send you uh, both to prison <laughs> um, but back to the film it, it it's real it's really a tough one it was the first time I'd seen it kind of watching it and researching it for uh, for this podcast and I didn't realize it was a 1970s film until I, I researched it afterwards and it kind of made sense a little bit because I can see um, other films that have taken a lot of inspiration from from this film, kind of since then. Uh, so I thought, like the the detail in the film, like the colours, the music, and the set, um, it was just absolutely like over the top and in your face. Um, I thought it it did make me feel like really tense and really kind of uneasy. But pretty much all horror films do that, I think, um, especially all the classics and this. As as everybody has said, it is supposed to be a classic. Um, so I mean, I did like it. I did like the music, and I thought it built it up well. But I just thought it was just plain strange. At, like the times the music would play, um, like the style of the music as well. I mean, I think it it was meant to be that way. 
Um, but again, it was just the, like the first time I watched it was just plain strange. That was like my overwhelming feel, feeling. Um, kind of going on the plot, I I've got to agree with Alex. There was literally zero plot. Yeah. Like the the woman just goes to like a dance school, and it's kind of got like that classic horror film where she's on her way and like loads of bad stuff is happening. Um, and then even when she's there, like it's again like that classic classic horror movie film uh, kind of theme where there's loads of bad stuff going on, loads of bad you know happenings and murders and all that stuff and she could at any moment kind of turn around and walk away <laughs> but it, she she just doesn't and but you know that's a, that's a, a horror movie problem rather than uh, this film but I did think um, kind of the you know the murders and things like that I thought they were interesting um, I don't really know how to put it um, scary did you find I didn't find the film scary but I did find it like very in your face and I did find it very tense and I don't think I kind of have to disagree with Alex a little bit I don't think every horror well movie, that's good <laughs> I don't think every horror movie has to scare me I, if, it, if I'm tense it's more or less the same thing it's kind of like when you play um, you know like a video game or whatever and it's meant to be like a, a scary game if you're tense it kind of does almost the same job I think I think a lot of the music um, and a lot of like the set pieces kind of did that like there wasn't really a time in the film where I wasn't like as, as I say I wasn't scared but I wasn't really um, you know just chilling out like having a, having a beer or whatever I was kind of gripping the couch type of thing to see what happened next and I thought that side of it was, was very good but it, it is just a little bit all over the place like to go to the ending um, you know it kind of almost turned into from like a horror film almost into like a, a monster movie like the corpse comes back to life um, and like there's just this <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's this main kind of bad guy which like it just didn't make sense to me it was just it just felt like it was a little bit kind of thrown together yeah but to be fair you know cl- closing thoughts I thought Hey, hey, are you judging this on your own view, or are you judging it on the arguments that have been put forward? The, okay, my well, arguments let on Bruce's... Let the notes that I've made are based on your arguments. I haven't pre-written these. Um, and I've found this really tough, to be fair, because I could put it either way, but I'm judging it on the fact that it's meant to be a classic, and for me, it, it just didn't do it for me. So, so I am um, going to put it on the shit list. Oh, yeah. uh, congratulations. <laughs> 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 right, so, so, Suspiria, <laughs> you're breaking my heart, you're shaking my confidence, baby. Uh, it has ended up on the shit list with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 4 <laughs> yeah, and Alien 3. Alien 3. Oh, look at the company that that classic film is keeping, and yet we've got Connor here. <laughs> oh, 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 there's nothing wrong with Connor. <laughs> At least Connor has a plot. Oh, uh, it's true. Right, yeah. Okay. Hang on, can we just go around? Did everyone, you know, let's talk. Gav, do you agree with your, the points you're putting forward? Um, I'm a bit on the fence. I mean, I, I, I thought it was uh, a good film. I mean, you know, watching it back now in 2017, you know, like uh, 40 years later, and expecting it to scare us or frighten us as um, equally as much as you know, like modern horror films. I'm not going to do that because 
you know, it's like going back and watching, uh, you know, the original Dracula or Frankenstein, you know, Universal monster films, and expecting to be scared by them because it's not about us being scared now by them. It was about the people at the time being scared by them, and arguably, you know, that was probably one of the, if not the most terrifying films ever released back in 1977. Mm. And that's how you've got to look at it. You've got to look at it subjectively. And um, so, as a spectacle, I think it was it was really good. But does it hold up to today's standards? Maybe not as much. Maybe it shouldn't be as revered as it is. But I still think it was a good film. Yeah. I uh, it, like I to be honest agree with all of my own points. <laughs> uh, but I would also say. Um, you know, I can see. I'm not really into horror films. I don't like them. I, I don't like gore. I like tense psychological thrillers, more like The Ring, more like Psycho, more ones like that. Whereas gore does, has never done much for me, to be honest. I don't find it scary. I find it just a bit. I don't know. It just doesn't. Just doesn't do it for me. Um, so you know, I can see how it's been really influential, but not in anything that I'm interested in. If you see what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I can definitely say why it's a cult classic, but yeah, very very much the same as Alex. It just did not do it for me. Like. At all, I would say. Yeah. I think for me, it shows that it shows potential that Argento had as a director, and I think he did a great job as director, but as script writer, really, at the film. Mm, yeah, massively. Okay, so out of ten, what would you give it, Alex? Um, three, three, three out of ten. Yeah, honestly, three <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I would. Right, I'm <laughs> right, so is it higher or lower than three out of ten <laughs> on IMDb? Uh, it's higher, isn't it? Because I think you've been on it a lot like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a 7.5 out of 10 on IMBD which is uh, very good considering it's a horror film and IMDB yeah, doesn't true. really score horror films that well so uh, yeah very interesting um, so just to say that we've uh, picked out our film for the week next week out of the hat and once again it's another film that's celebrating a uh, birthday a 20th birthday uh, this year and um, it is going to be Starship Troopers mm. so the uh, Paul Verhoeven is it underrated classic or is it a big monster mess uh, that's what we're going to decide and who's going to decide it well the judge residing over it is going to be me and the uh, um, prosecutor is going to be Joel defence is going to be Dave and hey. character witness is going to be Alex <laughs> so we've all got something to look forward to there just a quick message to say once again thank you very very much for listening we really do appreciate every single person that listens to the podcast because I mean I, I do question whether you would want to listen to Alex Waffle on for you know 30-40 minutes but you testament to you guys you have Joe did <laughs> so I want to say you can follow us on Twitter at Film Trials so if you want to um, suggest any films or if you just want to give Joel some shit please feel free to do so also want to thank our uh, regular in-house graphic designer Winston Sang for the hilarious uh, kind of weekly posters that he's been given to coincide with the films that we've been reviewing and you can follow him on Twitter as well at the underscore quirks and you can also follow us on our new Facebook page which is Films on Trial and all the details should be in the link below so once again just want to say thank you very much everybody and we will see you next week goodbye Thank you.